Hello, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to another jam-packed episode of My Favorite Conservative. I am Edward. And I am Andrea, but I am not conservative. You're not? No, but huh. he is my favorite conservative. Oh, thank you. Aw. All right, Edward, what are we talking about today? Oh, boy. A lot going on in the world. A lot, a lot, a lot. Yes. I think we all know that. Um, Although it, we did vow, I said we would not talk about college campuses today. That's true. Yeah. It's been beaten. Done, done to death. Yes, it has yes. been done to death. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. We got Ukraine at war with Russia, of course. We got Israel at war with Hamas. But we're going to discuss our border crisis because it actually ties in with those two things going on. Really? It does. Oh, it does? It does. Oh, yeah. okay. He's being serious. <laughs> um, I'm joking. But uh, so how does um, our border crisis or catastrophe is what it really is um, tie in with those two wars? Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, thank course. you. <laughs> well, because the White House wants more spending for those wars. Okay. And is supposedly willing to improve security at our southern border to get that money. Okay. All right. That. Tip yeah. for tat. All right. I got it. Okay. So the only way the Biden administration is going to do something about our border is if Congress gives money to Ukraine and Israel. Yeah. And, and wait, there's more. There's money for Taiwan too. You're kidding. No, we're an endless bank. We just. Ah, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, so I, I just want to add here. I, and I've always been this way, and I didn't know it was a very libertarian policy when I was young, but I just don't understand why we don't take care of our own first. I don't. And there was a time that we did that. So can you give us a little history lesson here without sounding like a professor? In terms of immigration? Yeah, itself? the history yeah. of immigration, because we, we didn't used to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's start like in 1900, so from 1900 to 1920. Was okay. the huge immigration of our of our time? We actually let in 24 million new immigrants, and they came mostly from Europe, you know, with through Ellis Island. And we needed the people here. We actually needed settlers. A lot as of a people, young country, the young country, yeah, young we were growing, growing country, you know, industrial considerably. Age. Right, we were just starting an industrial age. We needed workers. We needed settlers to head, you know, so, the Midwest and out west. So that yeah. makes it like more than a million immigrants a year. Oh, yeah. At the time. Yeah, that okay. was huge numbers because, you know, obviously we weren't that big of a country at that time. Right. Population okay. wise. Yeah. Um, so the border was closed at what point? So we, we let in 24 million immigrants and for 20 years. Right. That ended in 1920. Right. In 1921. Right. Well, we went through the roaring 20s. So from 1920 to 1965. OK. 45 right. years. Wow. We actually had no immigration in this country and in fact some years we actually had a negative immigration or migration migration if People you will yeah leaving. yeah some and, people and, actually left yeah and so and this was a time where it was considered a very isolationist policy it was i mean but we had been through you know world war world war two um and well, world war one and, and whatnot and, yeah well, yeah world war one was already over right right but yeah we went through world war two we went through korea but the main reason that it was instituted is they wanted those 24 million people to become Americans, to understand what it means. Yeah, you can still be proud of your home country and your heritage where you came from, right. but you needed to understand what the American dream was, the American values were. 
And I think that was the main driving force to assimilate these people. Wow. You know, and I just I want to put a little call out here that um, we are going to be having some interviews in the future. And there are a few immigrants that I think could really speak about this, recent immigrants. Yeah, oh, um, sure. Who, who went through the correct way, the, the, the legal way. Legal. Um, so what So what changed? We did this for 45 years, isolationist. We're not letting any more people in. What changed in the mid-60s? Well, that would be 1965. We can thank uh, Senator Edward Ted Kennedy for uh, leading the charge to reopen our borders. Uh, he and, and got, report, got support from a lot of Republicans because... So there was bipartisan support in 1965 yeah. to open the border. To reopen for cheap labor okay. is the main thing. Yeah, they the Republicans, you know, the business people of the time, they needed the the farming was you know really getting much bigger in the in the West and the Southwest and whatnot. And most of the new immigrants came from Central and South America, which we see now. You know, pretty oh, much that was my thing. that was my next question was yeah. was it like it was before or was it primarily our southern border? No, it's it, this. Now we switched mostly to the southern border. And in fact, 1965, we went from zero immigration to 320,000 people in one year, which wow. that's that's a big jump. Yeah. OK. And um, and then did that continue year over year? It did. I mean, there was a, a big change in the late 70s uh, with Jimmy Carter, you know, at the time when people were here working on a green card. And there were a lot of legal, we let it, we, we let in a lot of legal immigrants with green cards every right. year, but the, every year you would have to register again with the government, check in, tell them where you are, what you're doing, who you're employed with, all that sort of stuff. And Jimmy Carter thought that was maybe, I guess the early phrases, uh, phase of racial profiling, perhaps maybe, I don't know what he, his rationale okay. was, but he changed the policy to yeah, don't worry about checking in anymore, and which led, leads to a free-for-all of immigration. Wow, okay. And yeah. so I can imagine, however, that everything changed when President Ronald Reagan was elected, right? I mean, surely yeah. President <laughs> Reagan closed the border. Yeah, as much as I love the great Ronald Reagan, uh, this was one of his Achilles heels where he actually, he wanted to get some other things done legislatively. And the only way that he could get it done was to, uh, and re remember now the House had been controlled by Democrats for 40 years right. straight. So he, he didn't have a you know majority anywhere and he had to negotiate a amnesty program uh, of 3 million illegals to get what he wanted through with his defense spending and whatnot. But, um, you know, I just want to jump in. Mm -hmm. I was in junior high then, and I remember this. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> able, but I, I, but I remember this being on TV all the time that Reagan had betrayed the Republican party. And yeah, well, I, he, he I, traded I supposedly he's going to legalize, allow 3 million illegals to become citizens right, the path on citizens. the promise that the Democrats would secure the border. What <clears> happened? <sighs> yeah. I, to me, it reminds me of the movie Animal House. Do you remember oh, that? Remember love the Animal movie. House? Yes. Great film. Great film. Let's see. The big, the big fat kid flounder <laughs> who was a legacy. And uh, if you remember in the movie that the frat boys wanted his, his brother's car because they wanted to put it in a parade and a float and whatnot. And they totally screwed it up. And he was just flabbergasted and said, what did you do? And they looked at him and they said, ah, you screwed up. You trusted us. 
(laughs) That's the way I feel. Democrats said to Reagan, like, you actually trusted us? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, Uh, let's get back to present time. Present time. 21st century. Right, 21st. Yeah. Yeah. A little tired. Still. Uh, Still. um, And so what is happening right now on our border? Yeah, well, that's the reason for the show today. Um, I refer to uh, our friend Neil Monroe over at Breitbart.com. We'll tag you, Neil, and we'll put you in the show notes. Wrote a great article, and he starts out with, President Joe Biden's border chief has a deal for the GOP. He will carefully cap illegal migration at one million a year. So back back to the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, illegal. Yes migration at a million a year if the GOP approves $61 billion for the war in Ukraine. So this offer would double pre-2021, meaning pre-Joe Biden immigration numbers, but it's a good faith offer, said one of the uh, four GOP negotiators, the senators that are negotiating. Yeah. So, okay, continue. No, this was Tom Tillis. He's out of North Carolina. He is a squishy Republican at best. Um, <laughs> he, he said, we're at 11,000 illegal immigrants per day or roughly 4 million a year. We've got to get somewhere closer to 2,000 migrants a day or 700,000 a year. Now, my head's spinning, right? Really? We have to do that? We yeah, have no, to we let don't. in 2,000 illegals a day? We could actually just close the border, <laughs> go back to the state of Mexico policy, but continue. Yeah, but he says, but I'm going to take this as a good faith offer that the White House was sending, which is why I think we have to act in good faith and stay in Washington until we can get it negotiated. Okay, so what I'm trying to understand is what does he mean by negotiated? Because the the Republicans don't have the majority in the Senate. So- Who's negoc- who is negotiating with whom? Yeah, well, let me back up here. The House actually passed a, a bill a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago, maybe 10 days. And okay. it was basically um, that they're not going to agree to anything uh, until basically they get their immigration numbers that they want. And, then, okay. and, and they actually wanted to do Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan in separate bills in the White House is... is says no way it all has to be together because washington loves an omnibus bill right you have to have everything in one bill because god forbid we actually do three times the work okay so i i want to get us back on track because i got a little lost there that's okay okay that's my all right so the mitch mcconnell handpicked gop negotiators i'm still not clear are they negotiating with the white house yes so the white house is negotiating with the senators on hopes of pressuring the house into coming along with what they want. So negotiations for the for the White House is actually Alejandro Mayorkas, who okay. is the Homeland Security Secretary. And to me, sending him to negotiate a deal on migrants is insane that the Republicans would listen to him. Because how many times over the last two and a half years has he gone before the House and the Senate and he looks square in the camera and he said, the border is secure. <laughs> the border, while well, you can see with your own eyes, tens and hundreds of thousands of people flocking across it. So okay, h- how he is there. But Okay, I- I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for watching on YouTube. We really appreciate it. We are live right now on YouTube, Rumble, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I think I got them all. 
Um, and Larry, if you stick with us, we will share your comments directly on the screen, I promise. Um, but first, Edward's going to tell us who these GOP negotiators are and how you yeah. feel about them. So, so Mitch McConnell, which I have to tell you something, he's, he's not big on border security. He nominated Tom, or he put on Tom Tillis, right. which, you know, again, never met. Uh, he, he is an absolute shill for the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. However many workers they want, Tom Tillis will go out and get them. And you got Lindsey Graham, or as we call him, Lindsey Gramnesty. <laughs> if you remember his ill fated days with the Gang of Eight. But okay, anyway, uh, from South Carolina, you know, Lindsey has never met a war that he doesn't like. Yeah. No, no question about that. So uh, James Lankford out of Oklahoma, uh, another very squishy moderate. Okay. Yeah, he just will go along with anything that Mitch tells him to do. And surprisingly, Tom Cotton. Uh, he's out of Arkansas. He's a he's a conservative, but he is definitely more hawkish than your average conservative out there. So okay, yeah, okay. And so where do we go from here? That you you mentioned the Republicans led the House passed a border stabilization bill earlier this month. So so what happens next? Well, yeah, you know, on top of all that money, as an aside, besides the money that they want for the wars. Mm -hmm. They also want $14 billion so that they can resettle all these illegal immigrants coming into our country. Okay. That's insane. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So before we do a deeper dive into border concerns, uh, Larry, wow, like so many comments. <laughs> God you. bless you, Larry. Um, let's see. I'm not sure what your question is. Um but we're going to just pick one because it kind of looks like a question and we'll answer it if we can. Uh, Larry says, save all those low paying jobs the immigrants are stealing. With a question mark. With a question mark. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm not clear what the question is. I, I don't either. Okay. All right. Sorry, Larry. We don't know what the question is. Um, and then he has one more comment. I just want to give Larry his due because he's watching us live. Um, the low paying jobs are being shipped overseas now. So they make the border a security issue for your votes. Uh, I'll answer this actually. Um, Larry, I just, I'm, I'm America first. I think we got to just take care of our own citizens before we open up our border to the entire world. And I've always felt that way. And you know, when we see so many people who are homeless, uh, and I'm talking about American citizens who are homeless. For me, where I come from this as a kind of borderline, very independent libertarian, I feel like we got to take care of our citizens first. And most other countries, by the way, do. Yeah. Most other countries do not have the kind of open borders that we do. And they believe in taking care of their citizens first. So that's uh, where I come from. It's yeah. not about getting my vote. It's about I think America should be first because... I'm an American. Yeah. And you said most other countries don't have the policies that we have. Let me correct that if I may. Yes. No other countries have as lax of border security as we have. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, Larry, thank you. Uh, we see we got it. We had another person watching as well. Thank you for watching live. If you have more questions, throw them in the chat and we will get to them. Uh, let's talk about some of the concerns with having an open border, which means, by the way, you have no border. Yeah. Yeah. A, a nation without the border is not a nation. Right. Yeah. And obviously with October 7th and whatnot, I think the major concern is terrorism, that terrorists can easily 
come into our country very easily and we are catching some of them but there's always a uh, exponential number that get away yeah and those are called actually the gotaway so they're coming in we aren't vetting anybody they're coming in they're asking them what their name is and you know that's about it yeah <laughs> so here yeah. you go and and then for me the fentanyl crisis yeah I, I mean in the past year alone the u.s customs and border protection have seized more than twenty six thousand guys twenty six thousand pounds of fentanyl from our southwest border and so fentanyl seizures have increased more than 800 percent in the past five years more than 800 percent and this is a recent article this week from us today usa today and i don't think they're a right-wing publication uh, yeah. by any means but for me it's like look at how many americans are dying from fentanyl and that's coming across our southern border so for me that issue alone isn't as a reason to close the border yeah and i was watching something the other night and it was somebody from the administration just tugging at the heartstrings of that 75,000 Ukrainians have been killed in this war and that's why we need to send them money. Well, what how many people are dying from fentanyl? About 100,000. Yeah. Americans. Americans. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. How about we fight that war here first? Yes. Yeah. Um <laughs> so before we talk about more border concerns um because there are many, uh, we do have a great question here from Larry and I'm going to let you answer this one. Okay. So he says you think conservative politicians know, don't know exactly what to say and when. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure what the question is. I, I, I think his question is that those, those the four mm -hmm. negotiators, um, that they will say what they have to say to, to get what they want. I think, I, correct me if I'm I wrong, think Larry. those four, or actually three, Tom Cotton is kind of an outlier, uh, but the other three, they are closer to the the republican wing of the democratic party yeah so. <laughs> wait say that one more time that was awesome they are the republican wing of the, the democratic Demo party which is basically the uniparty which kind of runs washington and whatever's going to get the money in it's going to get more you know money for us more money for unions and whatnot they're all for all right larry thank you so much for that question um, we do have other border uh, concerns. Um, I'll do the next two and leave the last for you. Yeah. Okay. So um, our healthcare system is completely overwhelmed, especially with ERs. We already know that un uninsured Americans um, typically go to the ER because they don't have a general practitioner. Well, the same thing happens with immigrants coming across the border, illegal immigrants. They go to the ER school systems oh my gosh i'm a former teacher school systems are totally overwhelmed they cannot keep up with the sheer number of people and also the diversity in languages well yeah and by law they have to supply translators yes, yes they have to yes. so um so so healthcare and school systems totally overwhelmed what are some other border yeah. concerns, Edward? Well, I think you're seeing it in, in the bigger cities now is the housing situation, right? You yeah. know, and New York originally said, yeah, come on, this is great. And there was Mayor Adams welcoming people off the bus, right? Thank you for coming and started putting them up at, you know, four-star and five-star hotels until the hotels were completely full. <laughs> right. And then they started trashing hotels and they can't find a place for them. They, they actually built... Uh, 
a tent city out on one of their in their national parks and the immigrants are all pissed off because they want to go back to their hotels well i don't blame um, them yeah I really don't. right, I right. Mean, when, if, if, yeah I'm, you don't start them out with the four-star hotel right right you start them out with the tents yes and then you move them possibly later to that you yes. know <laughs> and and you know and this could this is not causation this is correlation but certainly this attributes to the housing crisis we already have in this country sure yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know how many how many veterans are homeless on the streets and and uh, it, it, which leads to the social services money you know the pie is only so big that's right and you're slicing it now from 10 slices to 20 slices and everybody's getting less to pay for people who legally shouldn't be here yeah it's not right yeah just, and you know there's a great new york times article that uh just came out a week ago a, just a great story about immigration on the southern border how it's affecting Americans, how it's affecting um, Mexicans who, who who work and live in Mexico. So we're going to put that in the show notes. It's just a really interesting article. And again, I don't think you can argue that the New York Times is some conservative right wing <laughs> publication. So um, hold on. Uh, Larry may have one more for us. Um, uh, a large city that's mostly conservative. Uh, Miami. <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I don't think people heard that. So so uh, one more thing, Larry, and then we're going on to the cost of illegal immigration. And we really would love for you, if you have any comments about what we're talking about, would be great. Larry says, um, I bet you can't explain why most conservatives don't move out of their hometowns for better education opportunities and form large cities with massive commerce. Uh, again, I think that's a little speculation. Um, and then Larry says, we'll just show his comment. Um, Please name one large city that is mostly conservative. And um, Edward, would you answer again a little louder, please? Miami. Miami. Okay. <laughs> Next. Yes. All right. So again, Larry, we love that you're watching live, uh, but we're going to keep going with the show. We're going to talk about how much is illegal immigration actually costing us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, according to a group called FAIR, which is the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, it's going to cost the U.S. taxpayers approximately $150 billion a year. Now, this is 2022 number, so right. I'm sure it's gone up even more. So how did they arrive at that number? Break it down for us. Yeah, Thanks. well, you can, by adding in all the things that we talked about previously and the social services and education and everything, you can add all that stuff up. It, it Basically, there's a gross negative economic impact of $182 billion a year from these illegal immigrants. Okay, so that's like you said, it's kind of a gross negative right. impact. Think Total of the negative impact. of we're out right off the top 182 billion. Correct. And then continue. Unfortunately, they are only contributing in sales tax and a few other taxes because they don't pay federal taxes if they don't have a social security number. Uh, they contribute only $32 billion. So, so, so I'm gonna get a point here. <laughs> so yes, we're not saying illegal immigrants do not pay taxes. Illegal immigrants, yes, sales tax, property tax, probably not income tax unless you have a social security card. But so that is thirty-two billion. And what does that bring us to? Yeah, so you take the thirty-two from the one eighty-two, you've got one hundred and fifty billion dollars negative, negative impact for this country. Wow. And a lot of it has to do with what you talked about earlier uh, in terms of education, because you know here in our country, mm -hmm. only six percent of our people don't have high school degrees. Right? That's, I, that's I actually pretty, thought that was good. pretty low. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good. That's yeah. great. I'm, I'm glad to hear great. that. Now, whatever that actually means in today's world of having a high school diploma, but yeah, let's true. move along. Yes, move along. So, that's a whole so different 6 show. 6% of Americans don't have it. 
40% of illegals coming from, especially the southern border, do not have a high school education. And the reason that that is important is the earning power. Yes, the earning power right. yeah. of people with at least a minimum of a high school education is way higher than without it. And that is one of the huge disparities on how much tax you're going to pay over your lifetime. Okay. So since we uh, brought it up, uh, Thurston, welcome. Uh, joining us from LinkedIn. So educating is a drawback that can have my taxes. Uh, let me share your comment. Um, we're not saying education is a drawback. No, we're saying it's a it's a plus and that we have to keep in mind 40% of illegal immigrants don't have a high school education. Well, that and you're bringing in tens and hundreds of thousands of children to school systems that can't support it. Right. So what are you doing? You're so, watering down the educational system because they're having to scramble to make all of these adjustments. Yeah. Which who does that hurt? Oh, wait. Americans. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, Thurston Baker, first of all, love the name. Thanks yes. for watching live. Thurston Howell. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Larry has a question. We're going to save it for the end. If Larry's still with us at the end, we'll save it. Uh, but now we're on to our fun segment this week in Woke. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what's going on? I would love this because they're kind of fun. We're going right? to Beantown, baby. Boston, Massachusetts. All right, I like yeah. Boston. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From our friend uh, Milt Harris over at PJ Media. All right, com. Milt, Thank we're going to tag you and put it in the show notes. So the Boston mayor, the headline is Boston mayor throws holiday party for, wait for it, electors, excuse me, electeds of color only. Okay. On principle, <laughs> as a writer, the word electeds makes no fucking sense yeah that's, that's what they actually call themselves electeds of color <laughs> okay. all right continue so boston mayor michelle Wu, who is of asian descent okay has decided to celebrate the holidays in jim crow style Wu has been serving as mayor since 2021 okay two years and she decided that only people of color should be invited to a holiday party okay yeah now the libs of TikTok actually posted an email that was sent out by a woman named Denise DeSantos, who is the director of city council relations on behalf of the mayor. And DeSantos explained, oh gosh, sorry, the email was mistakenly sent to all city council members, including the white ones. There's, that's a quote. Okay. <laughs> so she then sent out a second email apologizing for the first okay. by saying that it was only intended for those who were invited mainly the six counselors of color and not the seven white counselors. Okay, I'm sorry. That sounds like a really small lane Christmas party. Just does. Uh, it, it does. It does. But what, what I find fascinating is then the, they actually get some quotes from these electeds of color council people. Um, they talked to Brian Worrell, who was, he defended the segregated holiday party that would exclude white people saying, quote, we make space and spaces for all kinds of specific groups in the city and city government. This is no different. And the elected officials of color has been around for more than a decade, end quote. So, okay. I, well, that's a little shocking that we hadn't heard about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so what did another council, uh, counselor say? About well, this? then we go to Tanya Fernandez Anderson claim that she also thought that it was totally fine to hold a party segregated by race. In her view, DeSantos, the woman that sent the email meant no ill will, and there was no need for apologies at all. And the email should not offend 
anyone. I believe that DeSantos didn't mean any ill will because she didn't mean to send it to the other people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I yeah. believe so, that's true. But why don't we, I don't know, reverse the races and see how that goes. So let's go to a white mayor who says, you know, we're having a Christmas party and only whites can come. That would be, that would not go over well. Yeah. Anyway. Now, of course, all you libs out there, Larry and anybody else, you're probably saying, well, that happened in the past and blah, blah, blah. Maybe it did. And you know what? It was wrong then. It's wrong now. You don't fight racism with more racism. Okay. Right. So right. I, I find it really funny because Michelle Wu, again, who is Asian American, yes, is married to a white guy. Right. So imagine that conversation. Did yes. did she tell him, uh, honey, I got the Christmas party on December 14th. Uh, you can't. But you can't go. Come. And what I also find fascinating, you know, Boston being close to the home of Harvard. Right. Mm -hmm. Harvard now labels Asian Americans as white adjacent. So the mayor, oh my God, that is so the insulting. mayor is considered white adjacent. So she shouldn't even be able to attend this party. Yes. But it's not a Harvard party. It's no, Boston but, party. but yeah, that, that's where <laughs> we're going with LibThink. And uh, yeah, so I, again, it, your head to want to explode when all you have to do, if you want to see if something is racist, just switch the colors. And if it's wrong on one color, it's wrong on both colors. Okay. All right. Uh, you're welcome. That was a good one. Okay. That was a very you. funny one. Um, and I would love, I would love to know her husband's response. <laughs> like know. really, like, yeah. did you really, honey? You thought this was a good idea? Um, all right. So before we wrap up, we are going to take one more comment because Larry has has been here the whole show. If you're <laughs> if you're watching the podcast, it always drops the next day. Um, so we're just putting the comments on the screen. Um, and I, I think I'm going to take this one, Larry, um, because it's makes no sense to me. So I kind of like it. <laughs> Please acknowledge that you got yours while the getting was good. And you think that qualifies you for 2023. Larry, God bless you. I, um, or as we like to say in the South, bless your heart, <laughs> bless your heart, Larry. That's what we're saying. So, um, I don't know what that means. Um, you and yours. you got the getting so... and the getting was good and that qualifies you. Well, we're not running for office. So that, you know, at Is all. that the millions that you have in the bank? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Larry, I will just say if your comment means what I think it does, uh, no, no, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know my, you don't want, yeah, you don't know what's in my bank account. You don't know. Um, but I still appreciate you watching us live and being so super, super interactive. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Anything you want to say to Larry? No. Oh, oh, be nice. <laughs> thank you, Larry. Thank you Appreciate for watching us live. No, seriously. <laughs> so again, thank you for joining us today. Please follow us on the social media platforms. We are live on most Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's the same time, by the way. And yes, we will have a live show a week from today on Christmas Eve. Yay. We're going to have a live show. And it's this man, yeah. my favorite conservative. It's his so I'm an Eaver. Yes, yes, he's a yes. Christmas Eaver baby. He's a Christmas yeah. baby. So um, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know in the comments. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast available wherever you're listening right now. It drops tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening. And we are going to launch our Locals community in the new year. 
And again, please be sure to follow us on all the socials, myfavoriteconservative.show. That's myfavoriteconservative.show. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye, Larry. Take care. (laughs)